might disappear for a while. Time to take a bow. Bottle up too long this time. Hanging by a thread till now. Keep running. Keep running. Keep running. Well, I might as well get started. Um, this was one of the least planned uh, of the Torgo casts so far. Uh, if this is your first time hearing it, I, uh, I actually stream this on our Twitch channel first. So if you hear me talking about like the camera freezing up, which I'm sure it will tonight, uh, or anything else, that's because uh, it's actually being streamed live on our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash psnation, so you can check that out. I usually try to tweet and Facebook and stuff uh, when I'm going to do this. I don't really seem to plan ahead um, very much. I think I came up with the idea this morning because people were asking about it. Uh, so I decided, hey, I've got a Friday night free and I don't have a job, so it's not like I can go out and get loaded at the bar because I don't need to be spending that kind of money. Although, getting loaded at the bar in Wisconsin equates to essentially 20 bucks where I live. So... <clears throat> anyway, uh, so a lot happened this last couple weeks uh, with Gamescom and uh, some interesting purchases happening and whatnot. So a lot happened and a couple really kick-ass announcements the last few days, uh, including this morning for Gran Turismo fans. So uh, just to get started, uh, my name's Glenn. I used to be the host of the PlayStation Nation podcast. Uh, I was uh, one of the two founders, and uh, was I did that show for something like 12 years. Um, now it's just kind of, I'm bored. I, I don't have a job right now, and I wouldn't say I miss podcasting specifically, but and I, I really don't like doing it alone. Uh, I like having somebody to bounce it off of, but I had time and stuff, and it's a beautiful day out. It's cool enough in the office that I, I'm not going to get all sweaty when I'm recording. <clears throat> and uh, stream some stuff today. Stream that new Modern Warfare 2v2 Alpha today. Uh, really impressed so far. Really looks good. I like it. Uh, the only mode in there is this 2v2. It's kind of a derivation of gun game, where gun game, anytime you get a kill, you get a new gun automatically. Uh, this time, it's 2v2. Uh, one time you're killed, you're out. Uh, and it's really just hunting each other down, so kind of like a team deathmatch uh, with search and destroy, meaning you don't have any respawns. But every time you start a new round, um, you have a different gun, or you have a different loadout completely. So sometimes you have a grenade, sometimes you have a, uh, a claymore, etc., etc. Uh, but Johnny's boy and I played today, teamed up. Didn't do great, but we had we had some good rounds. Uh, we 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 did good. Hey there, uh, I can't see you too well on that screen. Curisby, <clears throat> K U R I S B E E. This is Yah. I don't know why the chat doesn't come through on our site. And now some ruffians on bicycles are riding by, getting really loud. Damn kids. <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, so that was a lot of fun today. Uh, man, that new graphics engine is sweet. 
because I always thought Black Ops Four looked really good. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it it looks great. So looking forward to playing more of that. Uh, I'll play a little bit more of that two v two thing, but only if I have a friend. I don't think I want to play with another random. But all right. Uh, so I've got a few topics. I actually asked the community if they wanted me to touch on, on some things as well. So the bottom half of this agenda is different questions from the community. Uh, so first up, and this comes up all the time, uh, the Extra Life raffle. Obviously, I haven't done it yet. Um, I'll be honest. I didn't want to do the raffle this year. I even wasn't probably going to do Extra Life this year, or this last time. Because I know how much work the raffle takes, and I just, well, at the time I had my crazy job, and I just knew I wouldn't have a lot of time to do it. Uh, that job required a ton of my time. <clears throat> um, so it hasn't been done. And and one of the problems, well, I don't want to say problems, but <clears throat> one of the roadblocks right now is the fact that Ubisoft sent over 500 physical copies of games. My entire dining room table is full. Stacked up really high. And I was trying to go through and and just kind of do individual games for prizes. But the problem is our donations were way lower than usual this year. Uh, The only time that they were lower was when we didn't do the raffle at all. And it was very daunting, because uh, it's not just Ubisoft stuff there. I've got some stuff from Squaresoft. I've got stuff from um, some Capcom stuff. Uh, I, I want to say Drinkbox Studios, uh, the Guacamole folks. They put together like a, a limited edition signed thing that they're gonna that they're gonna ship, and hopefully I, they haven't forgotten about it by now. <clears throat> but we've got a decent amount of prizes. But I mean, Ubisoft just load, and I'm sure, I guarantee you, they went into a back room in the office and said, "Holy crap, we have all these games we want wanted to get rid of. Let's ship them to Glenn." That's fine, totally fine. There's some great games in there. Uh, Ubisoft is a pretty damn good publisher, but. I was trying to do just like individual or do like a couple of games here, a couple of games there. And then I started looking at uh, the number of donors we had and and stuff like that. And I think what I'm going to do now, and this is what I've started doing, but it's kind of a mess down there right now uh, because I started it. But basically, (laughs) I think what I'm going to do is we're going to do fewer prize packs, but they're going to be jammed to the gills. So basically... Let's let's say there's I don't even know. Let's say there's 20 different titles in the Ubisoft stacks. And the and the problem is they're not all the, the same amount. So it's not like we have 10 copies of Assassin's Creed and we have 10 copies of Watch Dogs or something like that. You know, we have 10 of these and 50 of these and whatever. But I think what I'm going to do is basically make packs up with one of each individual title and People are just going to get these big boxes in the mail, and it's going to be a ton of games. <clears throat> so, I'll probably get that done this weekend. As long as I don't hurt myself mowing the lawn or something like that, because i got to mow the lawn tomorrow. 
on my new riding mower. Um, what takes a lot of time, though, is actually getting all the numbers downloaded from Extra Life. All the, you know, because we do, we do the thing where, you know, you get one ticket for 10 bucks, but you get so many tickets for this much money. So basically, I have to take that whole spreadsheet that I get from Extra Life and from all of our team members. Because all of our team members, anybody that donates to them is eligible as well. So I have to get all those, but I think I'll have everything. <clears throat> and putting all that together takes a while. But what takes the longest and what is the thing that I usually make mistakes on is I don't have some automatic program that says, this person donated 100 bucks, well, they get however many tickets. So I have to go through each individual person and figure out how many tickets they get. And then when I first started doing the raffle, Rock came up here one time to, to help me out. <clears throat> we went and bought a big old roll of raffle tickets. And some people may remember this because I did the drawing online. We actually assigned those ticket numbers off of the physical roll of tickets. We assigned those raffle tickets to people to, you know, for what they, they donated. And it was really time consuming and then I did the drawing like normal out of a hat but what I figured out was why do I need that when I can just assign indiscriminate numbers just make a range up assign those numbers on a spreadsheet and then I just use a like random.org and I say pick me a hundred numbers however many there are a hundred numbers out of this range and that's how I picked the, the, the tickets now. <clears throat> I do need, I need a few interns for this. Um, and it's a time-consuming process because I literally go through the spreadsheet and I say, okay, this person has 20 tickets or whatever. And I have a column and I do the one, two, three, four, all the way down the column. And I assign every single number manually. And it gets in, I think we had... I don't remember anymore, but it was like 1,400 tickets one year. I mean, it gets crazy. And it's great, and I'll do the work because it's worth it for the kids. <clears throat> but I knew how how bad that was, and I literally was not going to do the raffle this year. I, I wasn't even planning on doing Extra Life um, just because I was going through some health shit still, and my job was so crazy. But then uh, Chris and Anna from RP Gamer essentially talked me into it and that's why I went down to their house last year um, but I wasn't going to do it originally and, and some people talked me into it and I know people are mad because it's and, I, and I'm mad at myself it's been a while it's been months and it still hasn't been done and literally my entire dining room table is full of games and that's just the Ubi stuff stuff um, <clears throat> and it needs to get done but for a long time I honestly I didn't have the, I didn't have the time um, my job was, I was working like 60 hour weeks minimum. That didn't matter to my bitch, bitch boss. Um, so I've got this weekend free so far. And by the way, White Spike, can you hear me all right? I'm using a different microphone this time, so I want to make sure it's working. Um, so I've, I've started putting the packs together, and it's not going to be real scientific. It's literally going to be, I'm going to create some stacks, and I'm going to make sure there's no doubles. You know, so you don't get five copies of Assassin's Creed, whatever. Um, they're all going to be different. <clears throat> I, I I really have a feeling that some people's 
nieces and nephews and little brothers or little sisters are going to have a great Christmas, maybe. Because I think some people are going to get stacks of games and they're not going to know what to do with them all. I would really hope that you don't take them to GameStop and sell them. Because, I mean, you can do whatever you want. I don't give a shit. But I guess to me, give them to other people. Don't go make money off of them because, I mean, GameStop won't give you more than five bucks anyway. Thanks, White Spy. Thank you very much. Uh, I don't get to use this microphone very much. Uh, It's this really kick-ass Sennheiser uh, condenser microphone headset that, like, broadcasters use. And I bought this thing, God, it has to be six, seven years ago. And I never use it. I always had a problem with it for whatever reason when we did the podcast. And it's nice because I noticed when I did the last TorgoCast, I was moving my head all the time. And I I was just using the Yeti mic and I kept fading out. So this time I've got it on my head and blah, blah, blah. So anyway, so (coughs) um, sorry, I'm going to be coughing a lot today, too. I don't know what's going on. Like my allergies are up. But I I know it needs to get done. And. The problem right now is I'm looking for a new job, and there's literally nothing where I live. And I'm having kind of a hard time mentally because I really don't want to move back out of the house. I just moved back into this house a year ago, and I've been in this house since 2004, and I've been fighting for a long time not to sell the place. Because I like, I've moved a lot in my life, and I like having a home base. And. It's been keeping me up nights lately. Like, I literally can't find anything around here at all. And the problem is, with my body the way it is now after the stroke, my left side doesn't work very well, and I I honestly can't be on my feet for more than, like, a half an hour. And then all... Because I've got this thing called spasticity on my left side, which is kind of like... Um, it was described as being kind of like cerebral palsy uh, in terms of how my body reacts now. So all the muscles on my left side are tight. They're, they're tensed up all the time. And when I'm standing for too long, it gets unbearably uncomfortable and sore. And, and the funny thing is I have a really high tolerance for pain. I have for years. Um, but it, it really, it, seriously, it's, it's debilitating. So it's not like I can even go get a job at McDonald's um, because I can't handle it. I can't be on my feet that long. <clears throat> and I can't be a dishwasher even because... I can't grasp, grasp anything with my left hand. So I'm really quite limited in my choices here, especially in the middle of, of nowhere in Wisconsin. So I've been looking at jobs like back in Madison where I was before. I've been looking at jobs in Milwaukee because I really love Milwaukee and I'd love to move there um, if I have to move. I've been looking at Chicago. Uh, I've even considered looking in like Austin, Texas and maybe North Carolina. I mean, I was in North Carolina when I, did it, when I did that eight hour visit to the studio and it was down by, I think it was like, like Pinehurst, I think the golf course. And it was beautiful down there, but I don't know how much they get hit with hurricanes and stuff. And I don't want to deal with that shit. And it, it's funny. Cause the other thing, uh, now I'm just going to ramble, but the other thing is I've actually, <clears throat> I've kind of, come to a decision that I might sell a bunch of my older gaming stuff. Especially the old consoles that plug in via RF. You know, I've got like the uh, all the Atari 2600s and the 5200s 
and the Emerson Arcadia and the Bally Astrocade and you know all these old systems uh, the TI-99 uh, the Odyssey 2 and and the reason being is I've realized lately that I just feel like I have a lot of clutter I have a three bedroom house 1600 plus square feet and it's chock full of stuff I mean you can kind of see if you're watching the video in the background there's closet back here and there's stuff all up on the top and that whole closet's pretty much full <clears throat> there's another closet over here because the master bedroom is my office and this this master bedroom's humongous <clears throat> so there's another closet over there with uh, three sets of shelves so three high and then three walls inside the closet and that's where all the games are or most of the games not all of them by far but like the SNES the Genesis the Turbo Graphics. Neo Geo, Gamecom, uh, Engage, Engage. Um, I mean, it, they're just full of games. PSP, Vita, Xbox 360, which is I can't believe how many 360 games I have. Virtual Boy. I mean, there's it's just all over the place. <clears throat> so it's a lot of clutter. And my friends just helped me. I had a so when I had to move down to Rock's place, I lived with Rock for a while. And that's when I had the stroke. Um, so it's all his fault. <laughs> um, I got a storage unit. And it was a really big storage unit because at the time I was like, well, I'm probably going to move to Milwaukee for this job. I had a great job done there. I loved it. It's one of the few jobs I ever really loved. And the upper management screwed me out of my job. Um, my boss was really happy with what I was doing. Uh, he, I still talk to him to this day. He's a great guy. Uh, he and I get along great. Um, but they screwed me out of the job. And most of it was poor management of money and just poor management in general at the director level and beyond. Um, <clears throat> and now that company has been consumed by another company, which is weird because it was a, a really long-lasting family-owned company for years. And I liked the company. I didn't love it. But my job, I loved it, man. I, I had some great coworkers. I I had a great job. It was a tough job because I was resurrecting a, a – <laughs> 12-year-old Citrix system that had been through a lot of different um, hands of, of people that didn't know what they were doing with it. I loved it. <clears throat> and I, I'm still bummed to this day that I don't work there anymore. But I thought, because I was so happy there and everything else, I would probably buy a house in Milwaukee and move down. So a few years ago, uh, friends like Rock and Travis and some friends here in town and Mark and Nine Volt. I think Nico came here, but everybody came to the house over a weekend and helped me box everything up. And we pretty much packed this whole house up. Not all of it, but pretty damn decent amount. And I got this three-yard, I think it was a three-yard, or no, it was more than that, 10-yard, 12-yard dumpster. We filled the fucker. I had so much junk in this house. And I'm not a hoarder by any means. It's just, I have a lot of junk. But the the other stuff that I didn't take with me, like my PlayStations to Rock's house and whatnot, we I put it in a moving truck and I had movers take everything down to the storage unit. And it was a big storage unit. And then I moved back here a year ago, over a year ago now, and that storage unit just sat down there. And I, I, we got a lot out of it, not all of it, but we when the movers brought all my stuff, I had them stop there and pick up a bunch. But there was a decent amount there still, and. I'm paying, you know, 170, 180 a month for the storage unit, and I don't have a job. 
<clears throat> and I finally, or my, my parents finally said, hey, if you move that stuff, we'll help you pay for the truck. And I said, yeah, I need to do this. The problem is I can't lift anything anymore. I can't grasp a box that's too big with my left hand. So I need help, and I hate asking for help. I've always been that way. But uh, Rock and, and Travis helped me out big time. We got a big moving truck, and we got everything, and brought it all here. And my garage is full of shit now. <laughs> my garage is so full of stuff I can't put my car in my two-and-a-half car garage. That's how much junk I got out there. <clears throat> so now the long process of me probably looking into selling some of my older gaming stuff because I've gotten to the, I've gotten old enough now that I know I'm never going to play it. I'm never going to play it. I don't have a TV here that has an RF interface anymore. You can get little boxes and everything, but the, the funny thing is, especially like the Emerson, the Intellivision, the Atari 5200, the Atari 2600, etc., etc., are all on my FPGA now, and they run perfectly. And they're, it's over HDMI. I've got it loaded up with pretty much all the ROMs. <clears throat> so I've gotten to that point in my life now where this older stuff, I loved having it for so long, but at the end of the day, who gives a shit? I mean, I'll show you pictures every now and then. I'll tweet them or whatnot, but who cares? Nobody's coming over here to play the ColecoVision. Nobody's coming over here to play, play the Emerson Arcadia. No one's coming over here to play the Odyssey 2. And I feel even stupider now because a few years ago, Mark and I and Sam went down to Trickman Terry's new uh, arcade, the Pixel Blast Arcade down in Illinois. And on the way back, because Sam went home from there... Uh, Mark and I stopped in Kenosha, which is down on the southern border by Illinois, where I used to live. Mark and I stopped, and we found a gaming store. It was, it was kind of more of a tabletop gaming store, but they've got some good video game stuff in there. And I was talking to the owner, and he's like, hey, if you like... Because I was telling him, like, I go for some obscure shit. And he's like, hey, if you like obscure stuff, I got a whole box of... Uh, Odyssey 2 games in the back. Michael, bring them out. And they were. They were all really good condition. Next to pristine. All boxed. All the inserts, all the maps in some of the games, whatever. All the stuff. And every one of them. I mean, it's a big box. And he sold it to me for a steal. He wanted it out of the store. So I got a great deal on these things. I've never once plugged them in and played them. I don't even know where my Odyssey 2 is right now. I know it's here. I'm pretty sure it's in the other room. I got a three-bedroom house, and two of the bedrooms are full of games, including my office here. I got so much stuff. So, but I've never, I've never, I don't think I've had that Odyssey two plugged in in probably at least ten years, and that's before I had all those games. I have a few already, but and it's not going to be worth much money. I mean, I don't have a box for it or anything, but it works. At least last time I tried it, it worked. Sorry if you're crunching. I'm trying to get rid of these mints. Um, so, yeah, it's it's funny. I, I turned 47 about a month ago, not three weeks ago. And all of a sudden, I started have this, having this epiphany that I might sell all this stuff off. And it's not about making money because I don't really... I mean, I've got some pretty rare stuff, but nothing... As far as I know, nothing earth-shattering, you know... I've got that Pippin that I bought a couple of Christmas Eves ago, and I love having it. 
but I've never been able to find a game for it. I've, I've burned some games for it. I played it. But that's the other thing about these old systems for me is I can't use a controller with a D-pad anymore because my left hand. So a lot of these old systems, it's useless for me having it. Like the Emerson Arcadia uses, it's basically an Intellivision. The controllers are almost exactly like the Intellivision. Well, guess what? I can't use that controller. And it's not like I can use some other controller for it. You know, these are all proprietary things back then. <clears throat> so I've got this stuff, and it's going to sit on a shelf. I've spent all this money on, on these things, and they're literally just going to sit on a shelf. We're not going to hook them up. And there's an Emerson Arcadia core for the FPGA, so I can play all that shit right there. And I can play them because I can use the Xbox 360 wire controller I have. So it's weird that I'm I'm finally having this epiphany. I'm finally old enough that in my head the last few days, I'm like, why do I have all this junk? Because I I, I'm one person in this humongous house. And it's so full of stuff. It, it's, it, I have a mind-blowing amount of stuff. And again, I don't think anybody, if they looked at what I have, would ever say I'm like a hoarder. I mean, you can walk through my house, but I have a lot of shit. So anyway, I didn't have that on the agenda, but... <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, Extra Life Raffle, yeah. Um... So the one last thing with Extra Life is, you know, once I get all that stuff ready to go, <clears throat> it's going to be a lot of money to send that stuff. And we don't pull in nearly as much as we used to when I was doing the podcast and for whatever reason. So I'm not, I'm not sure if I'll have the money to send everything right away. I may have to go out in spurts. I will say this is our last raffle. I just, I can't do it anymore. I can't. I don't have the mental capacity anymore and the and the, the energy to do it. And you might say, well, maybe that, that attitude will change. Probably not. I just, I can't do it. I'd like to. I think it's worth it. And And what bums me out the most is the one year that we didn't do the raffle before, the money we raised was terrible in comparison what we've done in previous years. Terrible. And, <clears throat> I mean, I started the raffle because I knew that it was a, a, a good incentive. But it bums me out that without the raffle, we can't help the kids as much. And I really, I firmly believe in Extra Life. And I, I love, I love Extra Life. I don't like Extra Life United down in Florida, but I love Extra Life. <clears throat> um, and I'd like to play every year. I mean, we're talking about even this year. Uh, even if I, I hope that I'm still in my house by then, and I haven't moved. But if I'm still here, uh, Dave is talking about driving out from Detroit and spending the time here. Maybe we'll have a couple other people over again because we did extra life in this house before. Uh, I had Chris Marpy Gamer, um, Cracker Jack was here, Nine Volt was here, Mark was here, and. Shit, I think I'm, I think I'm missing somebody else. It was a while ago, <clears throat> but we did it from here, and it went, it went great. It was a lot of fun. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I just don't know because it, 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 I take it too personally. I, I, I take extra life really personally. Um, and I get, I get actually kind of depressed when we don't do what I expect us to do. It is what it is. 
I try not to let it bother me, but it really bums me out. So when when I got done last time, and the funny thing is, <coughs> not to speak ill of the, not dead, but not to speak ill, but one of the one of the problems we always had, or I always had with Josh, was a lack of communication. I would try to communicate, and he would never reciprocate. Case in point, Extra Life last year. I asked everybody if they were doing it. Nobody responded. I said, I'll do it, you know, down in Madison. And then all of a sudden, there's Josh. He's going to do it on the YouTube channel. Didn't tell me. I just saw a tweet of his. Never once told me. And I was like, well, okay. And But he did it kind of half and half. And I was happy, man. I, when he did the second half, I was home. I got on on the channel and I rooted him on. I was really enthusiastic. I modded for him. He didn't give a shit that I was doing that. He barely talked to me. Whatever. <clears throat> but sell half on eBay to pay for the ship? No, no. <clears throat> you know that's something whites by that. I've always held as um, a hard and fast rule with PS Nation. And that is, if a company is nice enough to send us something for review especially, but for extra life review, whatever, or even as a gift, I've always told every single person that writes for us, past and present, if it's a physical copy, you do not trade it in, you don't sell it. You keep it for life. If you don't want it anymore, you send it back to me, and it goes in what what I call the vault. Uh, I think it's rude to... Uh, it, it might be my mid- Midwestern morals or whatever, but no. I'm not selling games on eBay. They're for prizes. Those are for prizes. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, to end all this, Extra Life Raffle, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I've just... I'm working on it. <laughs> so anyway. All right. Number two out of, I don't know how many things I got here. Uh, so next up, this is semi-confirmed. Essentially, it's confirmed, but it, we haven't had the official announcement yet. Um, but a classic Gran Turismo track from Gran Turismo 5 and 6 is finally hitting GT Sport. As my puppers is next to me. Hi, sweetie. Here, you want you want a treat? Nope, you just want to sniff around. Okay. Uh, Spa is finally coming to GT Sport. Uh, apparently, the word was at GT Planet that Spa did not hit the game right away because of licensing costs. Uh, the track raised the costs uh, significantly, and that's why Gran Turismo didn't have it for a long time for GT Sport. But they started tweeting stuff this morning. Uh, they put a little video out of people messaging and all you see is the tweets coming through like we're spa we're spa we're spa and then they kind of did a smiley face or something so <clears throat> uh it's called and I'm I'm going to get this really wrong this is a this is a real track in Belgium called the Circuit de Spa Francochamps it's a uh, dedicated racing circuit located in Stevelot Belgium I'm kind of pissed that I didn't go there when I was in Belgium in 2013 uh, it was in GT GT5 as part of the first set of DLC that was released in 2011 and it was also a part of Gran Turismo 6 it's a really good track um, the funny thing is I think in GT6 
it came with full, uh, I think, day and night cycles and weather. Because not every track had weather right away, if I remember correctly. So Spa is coming to GT Sport. That's awesome. Uh, I've, I've kept saying that it would be nice to have some more real tracks. Um, and there's a lot of tracks in the game, but it's always nice to have more. And they've been doing a pretty good job of, uh, of adding new content. I just don't like the fact that you can purchase cars now instead of you can still earn them the way you earn all the other in-game credits and all that but they give you shortcuts to buy cars I don't like that they did that I don't like that they did that at all I think they should have just left that alone <clears throat> anyway uh, but that's that's really cool uh, I, I'm probably going to play some GT Sport this week and maybe I'll stream it so you can see how bad I am at. I love the game to death but anytime I get in an online match no matter what I'd get my doors blown off. I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I can have some pretty good laps, but boy, I stink at that game comparatively. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, it's a cool track. It's um, <clears throat> 4.3 miles uh, for length, 20 different turns. It's a real-world circuit. Oh, it was also in Gran Turismo 2. That I don't remember. But that's really cool. Can't wait to try it. I think there, there's a, a, a GT Sport event happening all weekend in New York City right now. They're, they're streaming it. And I have a feeling that's when they're going to unveil this new track. They're probably going to have an, a, a racing event on that track. That's usually how they ha- have been doing it lately, how, how they've been announcing this stuff. So, yeah, that's going to be awesome. Uh, <clears throat> next on the agenda, I am super psyched about this. What's this? Hey, Bousset just subscribed with twitch prime thank you thank you so much uh this next one i'm I'm psyched for uh this is my favorite series on the sega genesis which is saying a lot because i'm still not that big of a genesis fan um streets of rage 4 there's finally some gameplay footage out of gamescom uh they announced some new information Uh, there's a new character uh we finally get to hear some of the music, which is from Yuzo Koshiro and uh, Motohiro Kawashima, who have done ser- uh, music in this series in the past. Um, <clears throat> and they announced finally that Axel and Blaze are finally in this game. They didn't want to announce that before, apparently. But I think there's four or five characters now. But, man, the gameplay footage, IGN put it up, but I think PlayStation now put it up, too. <sighs> if you love old-school brawlers, beat-em-ups... Holy fuck, this, this game's going to be awesome. Uh, the music sounds great. I was a little afraid of the graphics at first when I was seeing the pictures of it. But seeing this game in motion, the only thing that really messes with my head a little bit is that you can run now, you can dash. Which, there were kind of dash moves in the past, but it was more of a move. It wasn't an actual, it wasn't really a, a, a run. Uh, White Spy cheered with a bit. Thanks, buddy. Um, but I'm super psyched for Streets of Rage 4. If you guys don't know what the game's about, I've streamed it a few times, especially Streets of Rage 2, because I love that game. Um, look it up on YouTube. The best music on this Sega Genesis by far, on that tinny, crappy sound chip. Those games just are awesome. Streets of Rage 1 and 2 for music. Streets of Rage 3 is a mess for music, but the gameplay is great. <clears throat> so anyway, uh, I, I'm really, really happy. I cannot wait. Um, trying to see here if they've... Have they given us a date yet? I don't know if we have a, a release date for this yet. 
Yeah, release date unknown. That's coming for PC, PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. And I'll probably get that on a lot of platforms. I I, I don't know what it is, but I love the series. And there's there's it, the funny thing is there's a user made Streets of Rage 4 that came out a few years ago, and it was it was cool that they did it, but it really doesn't play that great. Don't spend it all in one place. Nice. Uh, said, donate more than one one bit whites by. That's like half a penny. <laughs> nice. That's okay. It's a thought that counts. We'll be hitting you up for donations when I need shipping money for extra life prizes anyway. Um, but seriously, Streets of Rage 4, look for it. If you like beat-em-ups at all, I think it's going to be a winner. I really do. I'm insanely excited about it. Uh, <clears throat> next up, somebody on Twitter asked me to mention this. And it, it, it sounds like more is coming out about this story now, but the story came out the other day that Disney and Sony are now arguing about Spider-Man and the MCU. And as of right now, they've yanked Spider-Man out of the MCU. Uh, which is silly. Uh, Spider-Man Far From Home just broke a ton of records. And I think that's what it is. It's these two posturing. It's because Sony, I think, has a kind of an ego. Because, you know, the, the first Sam Raimi movie was good. It wasn't great. I am not a Spider-Man fan. Like, you know, like, go check out, like, David Jaffe's stream sometime, and he, he'll usually talk about Spider-Man like crazy. It's just one of his favorite comics. Um, <clears throat> although he hasn't seen Far From Home, which is hilarious to me. He just refuses to see it. Uh, but it, it, it's silly. It, it was really cool that Sony allowed the use in the MCU. And, and uh, Tom Holland is killing it as that character. He's killing it. He's so good. But from what it sounds like, there were a few articles that came out after the, after the initial announcement that they yanked him. That, you know, this doesn't mean he's not in the MCU. It's, things are going to change. It's basically the studio's posturing and trying to get a better deal for whatever... Um, <clears throat> I mean, if that's the case, and they pull it from Marvel, and they don't let Marvel do anything else with Spider-Man, I think it's silly. But, you know, they were the ones that sold them. I mean, I know why they sold them, because they were bankrupt for a while, but they were the ones that sold them. At the same time, Disney's got a lot of money. Just saying. That's why they bought Fox. They bought Fox so they could get the X-Men back. And all the other... Who else does Fox have? They have the X-Men. They have Deadpool. I don't know. I'm not a Marvel guy. I'm a DC guy. Everybody knows that. But, uh... What's this? Uh, Marvel wanted more money and Sony said no. Why would Marvel want money? Oh, they wanted more of the cut? Ah, fuck them. Tom Holland doesn't need to worry. He will be Nathan Drake, more popular. Yeah, I heard that, that he was going to be Nathan Drake. I don't know if I like him as Nathan Drake. <clears throat> the problem is, as, as, as long as we've known Nathan Drake, it's been Nolan North's voice. And I'll have a really hard time disassociating that, no matter what. I mean, they could put anybody in that role in the live action if he's not Nathan, Nolan North I don't know if I, I I don't know if I can handle it I don't know I just uh, 
that's where you kind of run into a, to some problems when you start associating because these games now have voice acting and everything else. When when I was younger, games had blips and bloops, you know. Ah, oh, yeah, Fantastic Four. That's the other one, which I've never seen that light, latest one. But boy, did that look terrible! I think I saw like five minutes of it. Oh, yeah. He can grow went grow into the role. Well, he is a pretty small guy. I had a hard time not seeing Gia when Jolie. Oh, when oh Jolie was Lara Croft. Eh. <laughs> I've never been a fan of Angelina Jolie. I'm one of the few guys, I guess. <clears throat> anyway, yeah, I don't know. I eh, I don't really have too much of an opinion about it, except that it's silly. I think it was so good for the character. I think it was so good for Sony. I really do think it was good for Sony. Um, but it's always about money. Everything's about money. Money, money, money. Just like I've been bitching the last couple of days because the NFL keeps trying to you know branch out and now they want to have a, a team in Europe. Fucking stupid. So now you're going to have a team either from Europe fly over to the U.S. every week or half the year or half the season, so eight games plus preseason. Fly all the way over from Europe just for a goddamn football game and then fly back. And then you're going to have teams from here. So if they're in California, what is that to England? Probably... I mean, it was six hours from Chicago to Brussels for me. So you're adding another three hours from L.A. Nine hours of flying to go over for a fucking football game? Are you shitting me, NFL? But it's all money. It's money, 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 money. It's stupid. Do you not make enough money already, NFL? Seriously? Do you not make enough money? And now you have to pull this shit? So they have a preseason game in Canada the other night. Hi, puppy dog. And it's my Packers. I don't watch preseason. When when I had my pre my season tickets for years, I think I probably went to two preseason games, and I think both of them I never made it in, into the stadium. We we went over to the bar and we sat at the bar and watched it like idiots. Because the preseason games, the tickets are dirt cheap, <clears throat> so we just didn't care. Um, and that's when we started learning like why even go. I would give my preseason tickets away. But they go up there. So number one, now this is the NFL trying to get more of a, a footprint in Canada. But the, Can- but the Canadians already have the CFL, and they love the CFL. And now the NFL is trying to like shove their way in? Seriously? Fuck off, NFL. If I was a Canadian, I would have told them to go fuck themselves. But they get up there, and the, in the field, uh, they're using the real turf. And it's all kinds of fucked up. So they shorten the field from 100 yards to 80 yards, put the... Uh, put the end zones within the the 10 and goal line on each side made it 80 yards and nobody cared nobody was at the game it was next to empty because guess what canadians don't give a fuck about the nfl this isn't major league baseball i don't like the baseballs in the in canada i really don't i think it's silly but they, i don't think they have their own baseball league up there so it's a little a little more acceptable i guess but they already have a football league up there leave them alone leave them alone it's so stupid. I'm getting pummeled by my dog's tail, so if you hear a little thud, 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 that's why. Yeah. It's because I'm it's because I'm getting loud, isn't it? Yeah, I'm sorry. <clears throat> White spy, it's not like when they replaced David Hader as Snake, not the same. Ugh. That was bad. Oh, Konami. I was actually just watching an old digital foundry on 
Metal Gear Solid 2 today. It, it, fascinating stuff, because he, he was talking about the conversion to the Xbox and the conversion, uh, the HD collection for the Vita. It was really cool to see, because I never finished MGS 2. I got to a point and I got stuck, uh, because I had... Like I, I think it's something like I had lost an item earlier in the game, and I needed that item to get past a certain point in the game, and I, I it just fucked me. I don't remember exactly what it was, but I never finished two. I finished four, because I didn't like three. <clears throat> I just didn't like the whole... You, you gotta manage eating and all that crap in three. It, it bothered me. I don't know, but four I loved. Four was so good. Anyway... Uh, this next one, this was a huge holy shit, and I think that's what I tweeted, holy shit. And I know that's what I put on Facebook, holy shit. Uh, Sony PlayStation buys Insomniac, which wasn't even technically on the market. <clears throat> wow. I emailed, uh, <laughs> I emailed Ted Price that morning, and I said, essentially, I, I said... Congratulations for finally becoming what everybody thought you were, a Sony studio. Because <laughs> everybody did. When Resistance came out, even before that, everybody thought Insomniac was one of the Sony studios. Everybody. <clears throat> um, that's huge. It's, it's, it's a really good thing because they're a fantastic developer. Everybody knows they're a fantastic developer. Uh, Spider-Man? Holy shit. I mean, even... Me being not like the biggest fan of Spider-Man, I'm not. You know, I'm. I I like the character. I'm fine with it. But I'm. It's not like I. I it's not Batman to me. You know, Batman's my favorite character. But that game is amazing. No matter what console it's on, no matter what hardware it's on, that game's amazing. What they're doing with the tech, especially the streaming tech, it's amazing. You don't let a studio like that go because what was going on? So there was a lot of speculation. <clears throat> a lot all over Twitter oh this is why it's happening this is why it's blah 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 so what I found out is that Oculus because Oculus has their game studios now and, and Insomniac did either one or two VR games already for Oculus under the Oculus game studio they did a contract job for a VR game <clears throat> and supposedly it's really really good I don't have an Oculus the, the word is that Oculus, Google, and Microsoft were all sniffing around Insomniac to pick them up. Insomniac did Sunset Overdrive for Xbox. It, 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 it's one of the best-looking games on the system still, and it was a launch title. I didn't particularly like the game uh, because they had you chain together stuff. So you've got the, the weapons wheel like Ratchet, but they want you to switch mid-attack over to these other weapons and chain them all together, and I just didn't like it. Uh, I, I have the. I went to the. It was funny. I was actually out at Josh's one year for Extra Life, and they were having a launch event for it in New York City. And Jeff Rubenstein found out that I was in in the area, and he invited me out. And I took. That's my only time I've ever been on a New York City subway. <clears throat> took the subway from Newark into the city. Josh couldn't go for whatever reason, so I was you know on my own. Little note from my mom. Pinned to the backpack, you know, get on the train. Had I had a transfer. That freaked me out. I'll be honest. It freaked me out because I was in a, a city I don't know. But I went to this event. It was in this big loft space. Um, and a few of the Insomniac guys were there. Ted Price was there. Um, 
couple of my friends. And, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was walking into the belly of the beast, essentially. I get there, and here's all these big wigs from Microsoft, from Xbox, that you know. Phil Spencer's there, and uh, good old Major Nelson, <clears throat> who, who I believe memorized a speech and recited it to me when I met him, even though I'd met him like five other times. Uh, but I essentially sat at that event and talked to Ted Price the whole time. <laughs> I didn't know many other people there because it was all like Xbox podcasters and Xbox websites and whatnot. And I knew Rubenstein, but he was he was working. He's there. He works for Xbox. You know, he was working, so I didn't bother him too much. Um, I knew a few of the people, but I, I knew the Insomniac guys, so I hung out with them. And it was really cool. They gave us these little goodie bags, and I still have it. Uh, the little character that's in... Sunset Overdrive, like in the background, that little. So they gave you a little plushie of it, and they gave you a little balloon. And then uh, <clears throat> I grabbed another. I asked Jeff if I could grab another bag for Josh, and the, a copy of the game was in there. And here I am <laughs> on the New York City subway. Now this is before I really knew a lot about the subway. Uh, before I saw the Subway Creatures account on Instagram, which if you don't follow it, my God, follow Subway Creatures on Instagram because it's amazing. But I'm on the, you know, New York City subway riding back to Newark, uh, New Jersey, and I've got these two <clears throat> Sunset Overdrive bags with stuff in them and these little tiny balloons that are on a stick hanging out of it, and they had big Mylar balloons tied to them. So I'm riding... <laughs> just ridiculous. But it was a, it was a cool thing, and, and honestly, it is a cool game. And they, I mean, they really pulled a lot out of the Xbox One hardware. I, it, it's still astounding when you. I was actually thinking about going back and playing it and see if I feel any different about it. <coughs> I just didn't like that whole chaining thing, but I thought the game was good. But Insomniac, Sony is smart. They locked them down, man. They because they knew that Google Google is trying to get into the gaming space more. They're, you know, Stadia's fast approaching and Stadia I've, we've got a question about Stadia in a bit so I'll wait until then but Stadia's on its way Microsoft is looking at acquiring new uh, studios you know they grabbed uh, Double Fine not too long ago and, and they're looking for studios and Oculus is always looking to spend money because they're Facebook so they have money for now and apparently their VR game is fantastic I've heard really good things about it I just don't really want to get an Oculus I don't know why I guess PSVR is enough for me But it's huge. Huge. <clears throat> and the cool thing is, and this isn't 100%, but the cool thing is, Sony's not too prone to what Microsoft used to do. And that was gobble a studio up, get one game from them, and close them down. <clears throat> like Rainbow Studios, etc. And, I mean, Sony's done it, for sure. The MotorStorm devs, you know. But they don't do it often. Gorilla Cambridge. But they don't do it often. And I think it's really good for Insomniac. I think it, it sounds like, from, from the friends I have that I've talked to, normally when they pick up a studio like this, they don't mess with the culture very much. Because that's one thing that's always been very clear about Insomniac, is they have a rich culture. Uh, they... 
they get along really well. <clears throat> they treat their employees better than a lot of companies do. You know, and they put out overall they put out really good games. I mean, there's the occasional fuse, which I always thought fuse was good, but it just didn't do anything. Some people accuse EA of screwing them, whatever. I don't care. I thought Fuse was pretty good. We, we had a good time on it. I mean, an online co-op game on the PS3 and the 360. But it worked. It worked really well. <clears throat> I don't know. But huge news, and, and I'm really happy for them. Uh, some people speculated that they were in trouble because of... <clears throat> oh, what's the last game they did? There was a game they made that didn't perform very well or something, but I, I've confirmed that they were not in trouble. They were fine. Um, yeah, so that, that's awesome. Anyway. All right, so here is a bunch of stuff from the community that they asked me to address. So we'll start with the first one. Eric Ferreira on Twitter says, love when you talk retro, talk about the... Oh, yeah, this one. Talk about the superior 3DO system and why it's better than the PS4. (laughs) (coughs) Oh, the 3DO. Still one of the coolest gifts I've ever gotten from this community. Um, eh, The 3DO was always... It was always such a curiosity when, when it was in the works. And... I remember going to CES in Chicago. <clears throat> I would say that was probably oh, spring of 92. Because spring CES is always in Chicago. Winter was always in Vegas. And I think it was the first CES I went to in Chicago at McCormick Place. And <clears throat> it was interesting because McCormick Place is kind of like E3 is now where it's it's in this big convention center. And there's two separate buildings basically so like the convention center in LA is South Hall West Hall so there's two halls at McCormick the one hall was always the video game stuff because CES isn't just video games it, it was like consumer electronics it was like you know home theaters and car stereos and TVs and whatnot. this is back in the early 90s um, but 3DO wasn't with all the video games they were actually in the other building with all of the audio equipment and, and video equipment so you're walking around you see like Nintendo you see Sega you see everybody and there's no 3DO and you're like 3DO's not even here and then somebody says oh no they're over in the other building which we didn't even know there was another building at the time because we're idiots we didn't know it wasn't like it wasn't like today with E3 where you you know you've been there so many times you just kind of know where to go and what to do <clears throat> we didn't know so we go over and I've got some footage of it the booth was crazy. Um, they had the FIFA soccer, which I thought visually was really cool. There was some really cool effects and everything. I don't care about soccer really, but it was a really cool looking game. And they had Madden, you know, because EA was all over the 3DO. Um, and then Duel and Fireman, which uh, there's a whole website. I don't know if it's still running or not anymore, but um, there was this game that never got released called Duel and Fireman, and it was all this video footage in it. The booth itself, or it wasn't really like a booth, but it was this big 3DO booth. But at the Duel and Fireman screen, they actually had a couple of people from the game there in in wardrobe. And we're like, what the fuck is this? And and you can see the video. I mean, I've got it on my, on the video I put up, but you can see the real video. They've now 
someone has taken the source material and put it up on YouTube. But uh, just the weirdest fucking shit. And the the cool thing is Rudy Ray Moore, Dolomite, is in the game. He was in the game. And it's funny because now I think Netflix just announced that they're doing a Dolomite movie like based on Rudy Ray Moore's life or something. But it's Eddie Murphy is playing him. He's playing Rudy May- Rudy Ray Moore. <clears throat> and if you don't know Dolomite, check it out. It's some fucked up shit. It's hilarious, but it's some fucked up shit. But uh, I, I would assume because Netflix is doing this that they'll probably end up putting in the original Dolomite movie up. But it's it's hilarious. I'm so happy that they're doing this. But yeah, I mean, 3DO, I mean, it looked cool at the time. They were beating out everybody else at the time. There was no PlayStation at that CES. There was no Saturn mentioned at the CES. It was Turbo Duo. It was super, actually it was probably just Turbo Graphics CD at the time. Sega Genesis without the CD. The SNES was there. <clears throat> I would think that the CDI was there at the time, which is nowhere close to the 3DO. Um. But I mean, I love that I have that 3DO, and I'm I'm so grateful that the Kriegers brought it to me to, at MGC. And you know, I talked before about I'm probably going to sell some old s- systems and stuff like that. That 3DO is not going anywhere. That was a gift. It's staying right here. So maybe someday I'll do a, a big 3DO stream, and, and Eric Ferreira can see how awesome it is in person. And the cool thing is, when he gave me that 3DO, he gave me this adapter that allows you to use a Super Nintendo controller for it, which is great because I can use one of my Super Nintendo joysticks with it. So that's really badass. So that's enough on the 3DO. <clears throat> uh, Carl Slowinski, we've heard that guy's name before. He says, uh, tell us some game industry stories from your past. I don't think I ever heard details on the Joystick Podcast or whatever that first community was. Early PS Nation stories. God. <laughs> um. <laughs> so joystick was an interesting thing. Um, Jared and I have been doing the podcast. I would, I'm guessing a lot of the stuff nowadays, but I think we had been doing the podcast for about a year, year and a half, something like that. And it, I mean, we started really small. We we were lucky to hook up with. Uh, actually, for a while we weren't. We weren't anything, and then I was at a MGC with Trick Terry and Ken and everybody, and, and I said, well, you know how all these other sites have video game podcast networks? We should do that, too. And we moved to... It wasn't VG Evo. It was... Uh, oh, my God. It wasn't right. They, they changed the name so damn many times. Was it VG Evo first? Maybe that's what it was. But anyway, so we started the podcast network over there. We were on there for a while. We had this really... Really crappy website uh, because the guy that I used to work with had written his own like web content uh, web content creation system called uh, oh what was it I don't remember anymore Web GUI so it's kind of like WordPress is but he had written this thing a really smart guy and it was part of his company and everything and he just gave me a site he set it all up and he gave it to us. And we, we hosted the podcast there, and <clears throat> we were tiny. 
we had the website and I think we posted like three reviews. It was awful because Mark hated writing as much as I hated writing, but he wouldn't even write. He just refused. Um, but I get a I get an email I think one day from Andrew Yoon, who was the editor over at. He wasn't the editor at Joystick. That was uh, Grant. He's a Polygon now, I think. Uh, but Andrew was the editor for the PlayStation section. So Joystick.com had all these kind of sub-sites for each individual console. So they had an Xbox fanboy, and they had a Nintendo fanboy, and they had a PlayStation fanboy. And Andrew had emailed me and essentially said, Hey... We've got a really shitty podcast. He was on it. It was him and Jem and... Uh, I can't remember the third guy's name, like Raj or something like that. <clears throat> and he basically said, Hey, we've got this podcast. We're terrible at it. Would you want to become our official podcast? And... Let's see here. Oh, here we go. I found the email. Wednesday, January 23rd, uh, 2008. <clears throat> uh, so I'll read you the email. It's not that long. I've been looking into revamping the PlayStation Fanboy fan cast, and I thought I'd take a chance at working with you. It would be great if we can discuss joining forces. We'd feature and host the podcast on our site, combine our staff and sources, uh, and in parentheses, you'd obviously be able to keep your form as well. The only difference is we would get to put your content on our site you clearly have the dedication to provide this on a regular basis as opposed to our current podcast producer Jem who has failed to make a podcast for months (laughs) I forgot about that obviously this would be a paid position which is funny we never got paid Uh, while specifics would need to be discussed I think we eh, whatever Uh, tell me what you think if this works or doesn't work for you let me know also, we'll be taking, or also, we'll be talking to Naughty Dog this Friday if you're available to join that cast. So that was the email I got from, and this is back in 2008. <clears throat> That's funny that I still have that email, and it was never a paying gig, by the way. I think that Chris Grant wouldn't allow it or something, but I didn't care because the exposure we got more than worth it, more than worth it. <clears throat> so I started talking to Andrew about it. At that time, I had gotten really sick of, of Jared. Uh, I was doing everything. I was I was paying for everything. I was editing everything. I was posting everything. I was doing all the web work, the whole thing. Jared would literally just show up and fart in the mic. But like our first quote-unquote industry uh, interview with was with David Jaffe. I don't know how I talked him into it, because I didn't know him that well back then. <clears throat> I, didn't, I don't think I even really knew him at all back then. But I talked him into doing an interview with us, and at the time, Phil Kohler... I don't think he was a Polygon. I think he was still with 1UP. But Phil Kohler was an old friend of mine, because he used to do a podcast for Evil Avatar Radio, evilavatar.com which is really good gaming for. I don't know if they're still around. But Phil and I just became good friends. We would always call into... I would always call into his podcast because he did it from a radio station in Minneapolis, actually, and and streamed it. <clears throat> and I called Phil, and I was like, hey, man, do you want to join us? 
because you're a little more professional about this stuff, and I, I was kind of using him as a crutch. And Phil said, yeah, that'd be, that'd be great, you know. And <clears throat> so we're waiting, you know, Jaffe gets on right away, pa- uh, uh, Phil Kohler and I are on right away. No, Jared. This is just an example. No, Jared. And this is back in probably 2007 even. I don't know. <clears throat> so we're waiting, waiting, waiting. I'm making jokes about him delivering pizzas. And he finally shows up. And I kept texting him. I'm like, where the fuck are you? We're doing this interview with Javi. You said it'd be tomorrow or something like that. Or he was, he was making all these excuses. And I was livid. And I was about this close to doing it without him so Jared finally shows up we do the interview and at the end of the interview it's one of our most famous moments at least for people that have been listening to the show forever he says uh, to Jaffe right before we're done he's like say something that'll make us famous because Jaffe you know he always had that that uh, moniker of being the rebel being the you know the boat rocker that would say something, you know, decisive. And Jaffe, without even blinking, said, uh, I'm not your monkey, bitch. <laughs> Which is good. I'm really glad he did that because <clears throat> that was one of Jared's things is he was always trying to stir up controversy. And he was trying to create this persona that wasn't him, but he was trying to create this persona about him. And I would always say that to him, like, I don't like it. I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be a part of that. I'm not here to play the fool. And I've I've always said that I'm not going to play the fool. I can be funny, but I'm not going to have a play a character. It's bullshit. So he says that we get done, and Jeff he starts apologizing to me on the on the phone. I'm like, no, man, that's perfect. I said you. He had no right to be saying that to you, you know. <clears throat> So that kind of shit was just getting on my nerves, and you and sent the email, and he and I went back and forth for a while because when we started talking about it, in my mind, you got to remember now, I've been working my ass off on this for a good year, probably or six months or whatever it was, but I mean working my ass off, and I got really scared if we would hook up with them. I started thinking about from Wayne's World. Noah's Arcade. If no, when Noah's Arcade got involved, all of a sudden they started changing everything. So I basically and and I had already been talking to Mark about taking over for Jared. And Jared was saying like I'm gonna start doing this community theater thing, whatever. Which apparently he still does. We found out. <clears throat> but I I was looking at, at that as as a good way to let Jared leave gracefully. And I was talking to Yoon, and we were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Um, me basically saying, you know, if we do this, then I I hold creative control, I hold editorial control, the whole thing. Because we weren't making money at it. Because after that, right right when talk started, it wasn't going to be a paid gig anymore. <clears throat> I was like, fine, well, you know, we'll get the exposure. This, this, I mean, this site was owned by AOL. It was one of the biggest media companies in the world at the time. You know, Yahoo and AOL. So, <laughs> their their lawyers draw up this humongous contract, and I mean, it was 
It's got to be 12 pages. I probably have it somewhere. It's probably my safe or something. But they dropped this humongous contract. And a friend of Mark's, who's a friend of mine, was a lawyer at the time. He's not a lawyer anymore, but he was a lawyer at the time. And I asked him to take a look at it. And I said, hey, can you just look at this and see if you know we're protected and all that? And he goes through it. He calls me the next day or the day after or whatever. And he goes... These guys either really, really want you or they're really stupid. And I said, why is that? He goes, because you get everything. I mean, it, it was just... <laughs> they gave us everything <clears throat> that I asked for. Which, at the end of the day, wasn't that big of a deal. Because they literally... Joystick never really got involved. They, they set us up with a couple of interviews. Uh, I remember uh, Mark... One of the guys from the Little Big Planet Studio, Media Molecule. Uh, one of the guys that founded it, Mark. I can't think of his last name. I've met him a few times, but um, Andrew had set up an interview with him, and I couldn't make it. I was working that day because it was the middle of the day, and uh, Andrew did the uh, an audio interview with him, and, and we got it for the podcast. And the deal was that the Joystick guys were supposed to be on the podcast with us every week, but they were really flaky. <clears throat> the 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 third guy which i can't remember his name he was always afraid to do it and he lived in this apartment in new york city that was i think underneath a subway and below another subway and above a third subway <laughs> it was so loud so he did the um podcast with us a few times jim did it with us a lot jim still re- remains a friend to this day i don't talk to him a lot but Whenever I see him, uh, the last time I saw Jem was at E3. The last E3 I went to, I was in a uh, a demo for a game from Rebellion, and I saw Jem and I freaked out. Uh, and a- Andrew's gone, but um, I mean, Andrew was always a great friend, and I really miss that guy because the, <sighs> the exposure we got from that was something you can never buy. It was something you can never. It it just it it put us on the map, which was scary. <laughs> when all of a sudden, and it wasn't like a a day one thing. Ginger, stop barking. It wasn't a day one thing, but it happened pretty quickly. And Mark and I, I remember looking at the download numbers, and all of a sudden, I, I showed Mark one day that they just spiked, and he went, "What the hell?" And we started thinking, like, "What did? Do we have an interview with somebody? Do we, you know?" And from that point on, our downloads just went through the roof because we're on this humongous site. <clears throat> and there was no downside. The only downside was, if anything, that they wouldn't. They were supposed to post the show on, on the website every week. They were supposed to put a little web post up saying, hey, PS Nation or PlayStation Nation episode 54 or whatever is available. Here's the link. <clears throat> and they would never do it. I would always have to, like, Email email blast about four or five people saying, "Hey man, it went up. We already I already emailed you yesterday. Can you get this done?" It was it was always that, um, but there was no downside. There literally wasn't. They never stuck their hands in anything. They never they never once did anything. They you know because they couldn't. We had a contract, but <clears throat> and then the powers that be at the site decided that they wanted to like tighten up their focus and get rid of the 
the fanboy sites. And Chris Grant, who was editor-in-chief back then, made the decision to get rid of the PlayStation podcast and the Nintendo podcast. But magically, the Xbox podcast stayed because guess what? Chris Grant was on the Xbox podcast. It didn't cost them anything. Literally, it didn't cost them anything. We never... We never, like, messaged them for money for equipment. We never... It didn't cost them a penny. But he was an Xbox fanboy back then. I don't know if he still is. I have no idea. I never actually talked to that guy. I don't even know if he would know who I am if I saw him to this day. But it was great. I mean... This probably would not have gone nearly as long as it did if that didn't happen. I mean... What a gift. What an absolute gift. And it got me a great friend in Andrew Yoon. I mean, the guy, he was a lot younger than me, but, man, he was wise in his years. He really, he was a good guy. He was so damn funny. He was so much fun to hang out with. And I really, I do, I miss him every week. Every week to this day. Because uh, he died a few years ago. He, he drowned in Austin, Texas at a, in a park. Uh, he was out there swimming, and he wasn't a strong swimmer. Um, and I was devastated when I heard that he was he was a great every year at E three. That was my big thing. I got to see Andrew, man. I got to hang out with Andrew, <clears throat> and we'd always run into him in the weirdest places. Yeah, that was God. Seems like a lifetime ago. Anyway, White Spy, can you? Oh man, you, can you tell us about Chuck's mom? How is she doing these days? We haven't talked to Chuck in so long. Chuck never liked that we made that a joke. Um, but Chuck hasn't really been hanging out with anybody that in that group for a long, long time. <clears throat> so we still make Chuck's mom jokes at Mark's house, but they, they don't happen very often anymore. That was a fun time, though. She always was. boom. Chuck's mom. That's what nobody realizes is is that Mark is really mean. Mark can be a really mean guy, but he's such a nice dude overall. But whenever he would do something mean, I would get blamed for it. The whole Chuck's mom thing, that's Mark. Chuck is Mark's friend from college. I didn't know Chuck before all this. But nobody realizes that. I get all the shit for it, for being mean to his mom and whatnot. That was Mark. All right. Ah, here we go. Chip Halt. Uh, how do you see the Stadia in the, the Stadia? You sound like you're, from, you're one of my parents. Hey, have you heard about the Stadia? Uh, how do you f- see the Stadia influencing traditional consoles? Is Stadia even viable in the U.S. with the current internet infrastructure? Um, I'll answer the last part first. I think it is viable now. Uh, a lot of internet providers have, have really upped their game lately. <laughs> is it perfect? No. But Google, if anyone can pull this off right now, it's Google. They've got the most regional data centers, I think, out of anybody. Because a lot of AWS stuff is in certain regions, but they're not really as dense as Google is. Is, uh, let me see here. How do I see Stadia influencing traditional consoles? I think it's going to be very interesting. I'm I, I, I pre-ordered Stadia, the the founders pack. There is so much potential with Stadia. 
I mean, look what we're talking about right now. PS4 and Xbox One, uh, Xbox One X, pretty powerful. They are. I mean, we're seeing games come out on... I don't play much on Xbox, but you see stuff hitting PS4 like this Modern Warfare 2v2 Alpha right now. It's beautiful. But on PC, it supports ray tracing. And ray tracing is one of the coolest features in recent history in my mind. I don't care about 4K. I never have. But ray tracing, it makes a difference if it's done right. I mean, it really does. Um, <clears throat> so PS5 and Xbox 2, I don't know what they're going to call it. Xbox One Half, just keep re- re- regressing now. They're, all, they're both going to have ray tracing. They're probably going to be pretty good implementations that are going to be state-of-the-art for at least a year, not, if not two. But where Stadia beats everybody is the fact that it's all in the data center. They can keep upgrading it. You don't have to buy a new console every five years or however many years. Uh, streaming tech has gone a long, long way. Um, I've been a Citrix admin for years. Citrix is all streaming. If you do it right, it can be really good. Um, I'm, I don't want to say I'm skeptical of how they're doing the controllers for Stadia, but I'm intrigued and curious. Uh, the fact that they're over Wi-Fi. That's, it, it's crazy. <clears throat> but I want to see how it works with the NVIDIA Shield TV. I want to see how it works with Chromecast. And, you know, if you get the Founders Pack, it comes with a Chromecast 4K one, uh, which I have some Chromecast. I don't have the 4K because, again, I don't give a fuck about 4K. But I'll tell you what. I mean, <clears throat> the Internet at my parents is more than fast enough. The Internet here is really good. The internet at the hotel I was at, the motel I was at last week would have been able to handle it. Is it 100% coverage? Obviously not. Nowhere's going to have 100% coverage. But the infrastructure is 10 times better, whatever the multitude is, than it was even five years ago in the States. But that's always going to be the problem in the States. I mean, you get up to some of the more rural areas, which I live in one of them, but... You get up to, like, Montana and Wyoming. No, it's not going to be viable there. I don't think Google's really banking on that. I think they're banking on the lowest common denominator right now. You know, they're they're shooting some pretty crazy tech that has been tried in the past. Um, And most of it has failed or it's been bought out. Guy Kai. And... I think, but like I said, I think Google, out of anybody, Google has the infrastructure to do this. They really do. If anyone's going to make this work, and even if they're going to lose money on it, like Google lose money, they're willing to do it. Google's the next Microsoft. As a sysadmin, you know, I've been in IT for 22, 24 years, something like that. Microsoft loses money all the time to beat their competitors. There's a reason you don't hear about Oracle anymore. Oracle's still around. You don't hear about it, because guess what? Microsoft did all they could to kill it with SQL. Now, I don't know if Google is trying to shut everybody else down. I don't think they are. But they definitely want to be competitive. And 
they've got the money and they've got the resources and they've got the talent to do it. Uh, I think what's going to make it or break it is their strategy. I mean, they've got some pretty solid third parties supporting them. Ubisoft is going to do some cool stuff for them. I, I guarantee you. If if Ubisoft makes games that people want to play on Stadia, it's going to do well. And Ubisoft in the last couple of years has become one of my favorite publishers. They make some fucking great games. <clears throat> so, is it going to succeed? I don't know. Because the one problem with Google, and I'm a Google zealot, totally. I've got two Google tablets. I've got a Google Pixel 3 phone. I've got a Google Watch that just died on me finally. I had a Moto 360. <clears throat> I've got four, five Google Home Hubs. I've got Google Nest doorbell, video doorbell. I've got Google everything. <clears throat> I do. I, I, I love the ecosystem. But my Google Pixel C, which uh, has the NVIDIA Tegra uh, chipset in it like the Switch does. Great tablet. Love it. They don't make them anymore. They've totally gotten rid of it. The Nexus 7, awesome tablet. They don't make those anymore. They've abandoned that. The Google can get bored with something in a heartbeat and dump it. And that's what I'm afraid of. That all of a sudden one day Stadia is just going to shut down. And that's a very real possibility. I hate to say it, but it's a very real possibility. <clears throat> and Google don't care about bad PR. They don't care about having that reputation because Google is across so many different markets with so many different things that failing in one segment being the gaming segment, it doesn't affect them that much. It really doesn't. This isn't going to be some big cash cow for them. It's more of a test. I guarantee you, Stadia is a test for some other tech that, that isn't even gaming related. But I'm glad that they're in it. I mean, there are some very good people from Sony that went to Google. Uh, my, my friend Jack that ran PlayStation Home, he went to Google. Uh, Patrick Siebold, who used to be an executive at PlayStation, he went to Google. I mean, there's some really good people that went there. And, and in terms of a pedigree, you know, obviously Google doesn't really have a gaming pedigree, but they've got the right people in place to get a pedigree pretty quickly. <clears throat> so I hope it works. I really do. I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by the tech. I'm fascinated by, by what I've seen so far. I was in that beta test with this, that Assassin's Creed game, uh, Project Stream. It worked well. It worked really well. <clears throat> but... Until I get that Wi-Fi controller in my hands and, you know, check out user interface and how everything works and that stuff is interesting. But uh, the fact that they can keep upgrading things in the data center and you're not going to have to buy new hardware literally ever again, it's huge. It really is. You don't have to buy another console. All, what, what, what's all the bitching we ever heard in these console generations? 
Wait, I just spent this much money on it. Now I got to buy another hard drive. Wait, I just spent this much money on it. It only came with one controller. Wait, I spent all this money on it, and now I got to get a network adapter. I mean, there, there's all these things that we've had to say over the years. <clears throat> Curse be right here. Google loves to give up on anything that isn't an immediate hit. That's true. It's not even that though. It's not even that it's an immediate hit. Those Nexus Sevens were popular as fuck, and they just dropped it. They didn't replace it. They didn't do anything. It was a test for them. Literally a test. And it's a great tablet. Both my parents have them, and I have one. And my stepdad uses his so much that it's dying, so I'm probably going to give mine to him now. They love them. Anyway. But I really want Stadia to do well. I I really do, man. I mean, you're going to get every feature in the world. when, Like right now, ray tracing is becoming a big thing. It has been for about a year and a half probably now. Look how long we have to wait to get that kind of feature set on our consoles. We have to wait for this next cycle to hit. And it's going to get passed up by the PC stuff within months, if not weeks. With Stadia, that's not the case. They can make upgrades in the data center whenever they want, and all of a sudden, NVIDIA has a new RTX video card. Oh, we just added that feature in, in Stadia. You have it next week. That's awesome. That's completely awesome if they can pull that off. So I'm looking forward to it. I, 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 yes, in the back of my mind, I think it's going to fail because Google will just dump it. But I do think that it's got a lot of promise. I really do. So uh, Bodath says, any comments on the supposed PlayStation 5 dev kit? Uh, that is the dev kit. The pictures that came out, that is the dev kit. <coughs> cares it looks weird yeah but all their dev kits look weird the actual dev kits for playstation 4 are this big plastic silver case uh it's big i've seen it i've held it their dev kits always look weird who cares i see all these people making such a stink about it online like holy shit look at the weird who gives a fuck it's just a dev kit don't worry about it. That's not telling you what the PS5 is going to look like. Trust me. The PS4 dev kit, the PS3 dev kit, all the dev, dev kits from the past, they all look weird. None of them look like the regular console. Looks like a VCR on steroids. Sir, that's the Xbox One. You take that back. Anyway. <clears throat> but yes, that is the dev kit. All right, uh, three or four more here. Let's see. I always, I never know how to say your name, dude. Uh, so it's either No or Noe, N-O-E. Uh, RCO, uh, the new mini console fad. Are they collectible? Do you see them going, or how do you see them going? PS2 and 64 Game Boy line. <clears throat> uh, the new fad are they collectible? Well, the NES and SNES Mini sure damn were, because originally they were so hard to get. Uh, They made new versions of them, so I think they're a little bit less collectible now. Um, Are they collectible? Eh, not really. But I buy them all. Which is funny, since I can't use them, because the... Well, I can use the NES and the SNES, because I can get an adapter, but... I, I got the... Well, I got the Mega Drive Mini from Japan because it's so stupid. But in Japan, they did these plastic... It's just plastic. They're they're not usable at all. 
but in Japan you can order the Mega Drive Classic with a Mega CD attachment and a 32X attachment, and they're completely cosmetic. But I had to have it because that that tower is so ridiculous, and I love the fact that they did that. That Sega of Japan is is allowing that, and Play Asia, uh, who we have an affiliate link with, folks. <clears throat> Play Asia finally got him in, and I ordered one and paid for it already, thank God. But that one's going to be collectible because it's only in Japan. There aren't that many of them. It'll be semi-collectible. It's not going to be that big of a deal. <clears throat> but are they collectible? Nah, not really. But the it sounds like the the Genesis Mini is really good. M2 did the handle the the software for it. The only thing that they the reports seem to say is some of the sound is a little off. But Graphically and everything else looks fine. I mean, it's the Genesis. 64 colors. Come on. A tinny sound chip. I'm just not that impressed with the Genesis. Um, yeah, I mean, get them if you want them. I love the SNES Mini. Especially after you hack it. I mean, I've got essentially the entire NES and SNES catalogs on that thing. And I have some Turbo Graphics games and some Genesis games on it. And the hack was pretty easy. I don't know why. I cannot hack my NES Classic very well. It just won't work that well. But the SNES, no problem. <clears throat> Hacked it right away. Um, I wouldn't even look at those as collectibles. I would look at them more of, of do you want to play some games? Because they do a re- though the the SNES and NES Mini do a really good job. Uh, the NES Mini had a couple problems in their emulator uh, in terms of the interpolation, but really good. Uh, I'm excited for the TurboGrafx Mini. We haven't had as much info about it yet, like who's doing it. and I mean, if they have the same person that, that used to do the uh, game wrappers in the PS3, I think we're going to be fine. But I'm interested in that one. Uh, N64, I'm sure they're going to do an N64 Mini. I'm positive of that. It's funny that you mentioned Game Boy, because uh, supposedly that's Analog's next project. The ones that did the uh, the FPGAs for the NES and the SNES and the Genesis. Apparently their next project is an FPGA Game Boy. Why? <clears throat> Why? Like, at least do a GBA. But the problem is the GBA is 32-bit, so they might not have the uh, the power available. That's why the GBA doesn't work on the Mr. FPGA. But I I don't need a Game Boy anything. I hate my Game Boy. I only ever owned one game for my Game Boy, and that was Tetris because it came with it. My girlfriend back then in college, she played it. I never even played the damn thing. And then she cheated on me. Anyway. Uh, PS2 Mini. Yeah, I think it'll probably happen. If it does, Sony better get their their head out of their ass and do it right. Because that PlayStation Mini was a fucking disaster. It was 80% there. So, collectible, eh, worth it? I think so. Most of them. I really do. Justin Duncan, PS Nation behind the scenes. <laughs> uh, well, Dave is an Xbox fanboy. Uh, behind this, that's kind of a broad subject. <clears throat> I wouldn't even know where to begin. I, I gave you some behind the scenes today, some some PS Nation history. 
Uh, same thing with Two Hands Revy, Top Podcasting Memories. <laughs> Having Vicky Lawrence on the podcast. That was one of the few non-gaming things that Josh lined up that I was actually happy about because I idolize that woman. <clears throat> um, top, I don't know. Our post-E3 show, that was beyond awesome. I wish we had a better recording of it, but the, the, the mixer was fucked up. But that was very, very special. Something I'll, I'll remember always. That was, that was so freaking cool. Uh, really happy that everybody made it. And that they sat through that. And that Joel got to fly out. We got to surprise everybody with Joel. That was kind of a su- surprise to us, too. Uh, all right, last one. O- Ogami. Uh, Andy Ogami. He says, Random retro deep dives are always appreciated. You have any arcade one-ups? Don't remember how you feel about them. Uh, I don't have any of the arcade one-ups, and I'll tell you why. <clears throat> I have an arcade cap. I've had it for years. I've had it since I lived in Kenosha. So this is back in 2000. I probably bought it in 2000. They take up a lot of room. <laughs> and before, when I was talking about having too much shit in the house, that arca- so the arcade cab is NBA Maximum Hang Time. So it was the second version of hang time with the updated rosters and everything awesome game it's basically the evolution of nba jam awesome game i have no room for it in the house so it sits out in the garage hasn't been powered on in years i was getting a memory problem or a memory error with it um supposedly it's fixable but i don't know much about arcade machines how do i feel about the arcade one-ups i think they're really cool um that was kind of a sticking point with myself and Josh when all of a sudden he had four of them at his, uh, of them at his house and didn't tell anybody and didn't offer any to the, anybody else in the staff. Um, I think they're really cool. The Star Wars one, I kind of want it. I really do. I, I, that, I'm shocked that they got that Star Wars game. But that was one of my all-time favorite arcade games. Um, <clears throat> I think they're neat, but... You start realizing that you only have one game on each of these humongous cabinets. And, and the arcade one-ups, they're not very big. They're really not, but you got to get the stand form and all that. But still, it's one game. Whereas I have this little tiny Mr. FPGA, which is basically three Altoid, Altoids boxes stacked on top of each other. And I've got probably a thousand games on it, including some arcade titles. And... I guess I've gotten old enough where I just don't need an arcade cabinet anymore. I like that NBA Maximum Hang Time. If I can get the fucker working, you betcha I'll turn it on. I'll leave it out in the garage and we'll play it. Because I had that in an apartment in Kenosha. It was in my dining room. And Rock would come over and all of a sudden you'd hear him in the other room playing Maximum Hang Time. It's a great game. And I got it really cheap. We got it at an auction. <laughs> we got it at an auction in Milwaukee. And when you go to an arcade machine auction... You need to know two things. Bring an extension cable with you so that you can plug it in and string it over to where the arcade machine is that you're thinking about so you can power it up and make sure it works. And the second thing, if you win an auction at an arcade machine auction, you have to take it home that day. 
So when you go to the arcade machine auction, make sure you have a truck with you. There's no way to say we can arrange for this or we can arrange for that. You have to pick it up and take it that day. Now, I knew that, and I had a pickup truck. I drove them for years. But what I didn't realize was getting it into the truck, I thought I had tie-down straps, and I didn't. So we ended up, like idiots, we ended up laying that arcade cabinet on, on the back, which you're not supposed to do with the old CRTs. You're not supposed to lay them down like that. But we lay it down in my truck, drive it home. By the time we got back to my apartment, it was dark. <clears throat> I mean, full-on nighttime dark. We roll it up. It had wheels on it, but I had a dolly. I remember I borrowed a dolly. Rolled it up to the door, and the controls part of the cabinet, because it's got four joysticks, wouldn't fit through the doorway. And all of a sudden, like, well, what am I going to do? So we figure out how to freaking open it up, and it kind of lifts open. And I'm looking around, looking around, and I see some screws. I'm like, I wonder if you take these screws off if this thing comes off. So find a, find a screwdriver, unscrew the things. A couple cables you have to unplug. They have couplers. Pop it off. And I'm like, oh, it worked. I mean, we were dicking around with this thing for a good hour by that point. Roll it into my apartment. Plug it all back in, and it worked. Worked fine. But realize that if you ever want to buy a full-sized arcade cabinet at, a, at an auction, you have to pick it up and take it home right then and there if you win. But the, we found something really funny out about this NBA Maximum Hang Time cabinet. Uh, Rock went to UW-Milwaukee, <clears throat> and they had a really good arcade there. We used to play, like, In the Hunt. We used to play Turtles in Time, I think it was. I mean, because I go visit them every now and then. And one of the games was NBA Maximum Hang Time. That's why when we saw it, we're like, oh, man, we love this game. we got to get this. So after I get it home, we open it all up. And, you know, the coin slots and everything are there. It's got everything in it. And there's a plastic bag with the manual and everything in it. So we get the manual. We're like, holy shit, this thing's got the manual. It had a receipt. And that we found out that that was the actual NBA Maximum Hang Time that we played at the UW-Milwaukee Union. It was the same exact cabinet. <laughs> so, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, those arcade one-ups are neat. I just don't need one. If I ever bought one, it would be the Star Wars one. That's the only one I, w- I would take. And I'd, pr- I'd find room for it in the house. But I just don't need them. I, I, the thing about the Star Wars game is I used to play the f- living hell out of it. I had it on a cartridge for the Commodore 64. But it's really hard to find a good home version of it because of the controller. Because that has that really cool flight yoke thing that a regular controller doesn't really emulate. Because that's actually... I want to say it's hidden on Rogue Squadron 2 on the GameCube, right? I think so. That actual game. But it's awesome they got that. So anyway... All right, well, that's it. I'm finally done. Any other questions before I go? I don't know how long I've even been doing this. All right, well, um, check out the regular podcast to hit today as well. Thanks, everybody, for joining the the Fantasy Football League. I guess we're doing the draft tomorrow. You probably just heard my phone 
go off because I keep forgetting to turn alerts off on the ESPN app. Great job, guys. All you people that bitch about having ESPN, that app wants to give me little alerts all the time, dicks. Just had to have ESPN. <laughs> um, <clears throat> yeah. So keep your eyes on our Twitch channel as well. Subscribe if you want. Uh, we're, Dave and I have been doing a lot of streams. I think MJC was talking about doing a stream soon. But we're gonna. I'm gonna have a, a pretty cool game next week to stream. I think. I think it's next. Yeah, the 26th. I think I can. So, keep your eyes on the Twitch channel. We got a lot coming up. And uh, keep your eyes on Twitter and on Facebook for extra life updates. I'll try to give Dave and MJC updates as well. But the next step is to get all this shit done, and then I got to figure out how to get it all packed up. And then we got to figure out how much money we have and how much it's going to cost to send all that stuff out. So there's a lot of work to be done. I'll work on it tomorrow after I mow the lawn because it's too late to mow the lawn now. But, uh, yeah, keep the questions coming in and I'll have more stuff to talk about. Stuff and junk. I feel like I'm forgetting something and I can't think of what the hell it is. Can't think of what it is. Oh, well. All right. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Uh, like I said, folks that are listening to this, uh, I also stream this on Twitch. I record it live, and I stream it on Twitch. So keep your eyes on Twitter if you want to check that out as well. Uh, but this will go up on our feed next week sometime, probably Monday or Tuesday or something. Whenever I get the inkling to edit it, it together and get it released. So I'll space it out from the regular podcast. Someone needs to go out, I think. Okay. You just want to go into the desk? Huh? All right. All right. Well, take it easy. Have a great weekend, folks. Thanks very much for joining me. Get out there and play some games. Have a good one. Love ya. Uh, good day. Good day. We're back to the album. Okay. In case you wonder. Uh, like, good day. Good day. I'm Bob McKenzie. It's my brother, Doug. How's it going? Okay, eh? like, um, you know, when you get, like, an album, okay, like, in between the cuts, there's, like, um, dark black uh, grooves with, like, nothing in them. Yeah. Those are called black holes. And that's where all the rest of the song gets sucked in. And that's why there's nothing there. So that's that for today. Jeez, for a guy who flunked out at grade eight, you're starting to sound more like a scientist every day. Well, it's because of Star Trek. Oh, yeah, that was a great show. Yeah. Okay, now here's something that most people don't know about our album. What? If you play this next part backwards, there's a secret message. Oh. Okay? So what you do is, um, just like with some other albums, you listen to this next part backwards, and you'll find out something uh, that will be that'll give you clues as to what really happened. Okay? Okay, so that was the part there, and if you play it backwards, you'll find out the secret. Oh, you know what we what? forgot to do? Oh, what, eh? At the beginning of side, of side one or two, yeah. I wanted to, like, uh, trick everybody into thinking that they were on the wrong speed. We can't go back, though, eh? Do it now. Okay, okay. Okay, let's talk fast.
talk fast and then people think their their record player is broken. Okay. Good day. Welcome to the Great White North. I'm Bob McKenzie. This is my brother, Doug. How's it going, eh? Okay. Okay, there's nothing wrong with your turntable. <laughs> we were just tricking you, eh? It's a good day. That was a shortcut.